Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. We're in a series in the book of Mark called Kingdom Come, and the journey through Mark leads us up to Easter. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. Enjoy the message. And so today on Easter weekend, I want to talk about the three days Again, Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I want to talk about those three days and its implications for me and you and what Jesus is teaching us over the course of the end of his life and, again, his resurrection. 1 Peter 2, 21 says this, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And, again, the message paraphrasing says this, This is the kind of life that you've been invited to, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you could know that it could be done and also how to do it step by step. So it's just a reminder that this side of eternity, you and I will navigate hard things. You and I go, we'll, we'll go through loss. We'll go through trouble. We'll go through pain. We'll go through sickness. We'll go through relational problems and emotional problems and physical, all kinds of things life will throw at us. Jesus tells us in this life, you will have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And then he teaches us some things uh, in Easter weekend. He teaches us some things about how to navigate the hard seasons of life. And so some of us are in that first day, the day of loss, the day of pain, the day of suffering. Friday is marked by a day of pain for Jesus. So physical pain, emotional pain, relational pain, all of it is thrown at him on Friday. He goes through the torture of crucifixion, crown of thorns, being beaten, nails in his body, spear in his side. People are mocking. People are betraying. People are denying. People are leaving him. And Jesus could have come and he could have paid for sins at any time in the point of human history. He decided to come when capital punishment was at its worst. He comes today as lethal ejection. He comes when he comes and he experiences crucifixion. And again, just the the greatest amount of pain attached to the torture that he experienced pre-cross and on the cross. And some of you are here today and you're in that space where you're experiencing the pain of Friday. And it could be somebody left you. It could be you got a bad phone call. It could be you got news about a sickness that you're trying to navigate. It could be you lost your job. It could be a physical pain. It could be an emotional, it could be relational But the whole idea is that Jesus endures everything that he endures, the pain of Friday, for you and I. It's what the book of Hebrew tells us, that he endures everything that he endures so he can empathize with our pain. So he's fully God, but he's fully human in this moment. And so here's the pain that that Jesus endured on Friday and the types of pain that we can endure in the Fridays of life. You may have physical pain. You may be here and you're struggling with something Physically in your body, Mark 15, 16 through 20, he says, the soldiers led Jesus away to the palace, that's the praetorium, and they called together the whole company of soldiers, and they put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head, pushed it on his head. They begin to call out, hail, king of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff, your Bible may say club. They split it on top of him, falling to their knees, they paid homage to him in mockery. 
And when they had mocked him, they took the purple robe and they, they put on his clothes in exchange for the robe and they led him out to crucify him. Crucifixion, by the time that we get to Christ, the Persians invented it, but the Romans had perfected it. Thousands of Christians in the early church are crucified, martyred for their faith. And Jesus, he comes to this place completely innocent, but also laying his life down for me and for you. And as he does so, he's actually beaten. The Bible tells us he's beaten to the point of being unrecognized. And so not only does he experience his death on the cross, but prior to that, he's flogged. There's something called a flagrum, a cat of nine tails, and it's leather straps with bones and metal stone, all kinds of things uh, at different intervals across the leather. And two Roman guards stand on either side of Jesus, and they pull his hands up, and they, they take his clothes off, and they make sure that the skin is stretched because the better, that just, it works better that way. And the whole idea is to beat him to the point that he can just barely walk. Beat him to the point... Uh, just short of death or unconsciousness. So pain and blood loss generally sets the stage for circulatory shock, and then they place a crossbeam on top of him. 200-pound, historians tell us, around 200-pound crossbeam. And they say, okay, I want you to march your way to Golgotha, the place of the skull, where you're going to lay your life down. And so this crossbeam is not even a new crossbeam. It's a barred crossbeam. Some other criminal died on it last week. And so he's carrying this as best he can. The Bible tells us somebody has to help him pick it up. He's at the end of, he's just physically, he's just exhausted. Again, in obedience, marching towards the cross, but at the end of himself. And then for six hours, Jesus alternates between searing pain and the panicking feeling of suffocation as they've nailed, they've driven nails through his wrists and through his feet into the cross. And, and crucifixion is all about suffocation. That's how you die. And so he's, he's hanging and he has to push himself up. And when he does intense pain, and he has to decide, do I want this intense pain or, or this suffocation? And he fights for six hours. And this is, what, this is what Jesus was pointing to when he held up the bread and the cup. And he said, this represents my body that is broken for you. This represents my blood that will be poured out for your sins. The idea is whatever physical pain that you're going through, and I know some of you are going through like real physical pain, he knows your pain. And, and he knows your pain at depths and in ways that many of us, all of us, if we're being honest, have never experienced this type of pain. He knows the pain that you're going through. But some of you, it's not physical. Some of you, it's emotional pain. One of the things that we can miss in the gospel narratives is the emotional pain of Jesus, that he was despised and he was rejected and he was betrayed. And the Bible refers to him as a man of sorrow. Physical pain comes alive a little bit more in the narrative because we've seen the movie, because that's what we think about when we think about Good Friday. But how much more so? for the mockery, for being rejected, for being despised. Mark 15, 29 through 32, those who passed by him as he saw on the cross hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you're going to destroy the temple and you're going to build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. I'm so glad Jesus was on the cross and not me because I would have come down up off that cross. You know what I'm saying? But let me tell you, boy, like, I, I would, oh man, 31, in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves and he saved others they said but he can't save himself let this messiah this king of israel come down now from this cross that we may see and believe those crucified with him also heaped insults on him and so he's betrayed and rejected by the masses by the religious elite by those in authority by the romans by the jews even by people who are being crucified with him but the bible also tells us he's rejected and he's betrayed and he's denied by those who are closest to him. Mark 14, it tells us this passage, Jesus, uh, Mark 14, 50, right when everything goes down, he's being arrested 
in the garden, again, hours before his death and days before his resurrection, it says this as he was arrested, then everyone deserted him and fled. And that, that original language for everyone is everyone. That's what that means, okay, in the original language. Everyone fled. Everyone left. Everyone got scarce. Everybody fled. And at the point of his trial and his crucifixion, those who were closest to him left him. And so you might be here today and you're struggling with this. You might be struggling with emotional pain, feeling rejected, feeling betrayed, feeling falsely accused, and it hurts. And emotional pain, maybe it may have even given itself over to depression. And the thought is, whatever it is that you're going through emotionally, Jesus has been there. He has been there. And so the Son of Man, he experiences isolation. He experiences betrayal. He experiences denial. He experiences all of this. And so... If it's not emotional pain and it's not physical pain, it may be relational pain. Emotional pain gives way to relational pain. And uh, so for all my, how many of y'all, this service, 930 service, how many single people I got in the room? Raise your hand if you're single people. Single people, raise your hand. Okay, leave leave, leave them up, leave them up, leave them up, leave them up. Take a good look around. If you're going to meet somebody, it's going to be Easter Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) take notes. Dang, I didn't know she was single. Hold up. About to worship so good. You know what I mean? Like, but Jesus... Jesus knows, Jesus knows what it's like to be single. Jesus knows what it's like to be single. Bible tells us he's single and he's tempted in every way and yet without sin. Some of y'all are single. You're like, how? How? Right? So he's tempted in every way. He knows what it's like to be single. Some of my married people in here, you're like, yeah, but he don't know what it's like to be married. Got you. He gonna pay for that one later. <laughs> yeah, he don't, know, he don't know what it's like to be married. Uh, but, but he does. The Bible tells us that he's the groom and that the church is the bride. Not only does he know what it's like to be married, he knows what it's like for his wife to cheat on him. And so every bit of emotional pain, every bit of relational pain, every bit of physical pain, he endures. And some of us are in the Friday of life, and that's where you're at. You're feeling pain. You're feeling relational, emotional, you're feeling physical pain. And it's like, why do I have to go through the hard things that I'm going through? Why do I have to endure this pain? Here's what Romans 8, 28 promises for us in Christ. And it's such an encouraging promise. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Which means what Paul's saying here in Romans 8 is that God puts purpose in the pain. He doesn't give you the pain. He leverages the pain. So you go through the hard things of life. And again, you're in a broke, we're in an already not yet kingdom. So we're in a broke, because of the fall of man, because of sin, because of brokenness in the world, you and I, hard, bad things happen. Sometimes they happen to us. Sometimes they happen because of our, our stupid decisions. But the reality is, is that bad things happen again. Uh, in this life, you will have many trials. In this life, you will have many troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And so Paul says in Romans 8, hey, but those hard things that you go through, the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain, the relational pain, God can leverage that, put purpose on it, redeem every hard thing that you've ever been through. Your dad left when you were little. He can redeem it. I know it feels impossible. Your wife left you. He can redeem it. I know it feels hard. You lost a loved one, and you're like, how is he going to use that? He can use that. You're struggling from addiction for years, and he redeems that. Like he'll, I promise you, every hard thing that you navigate, every broken piece of your life, if you hand it to him, he will put purpose on it. The greatest place of your purpose is in that place of brokenness. It's in the pain of Friday that he'll redeem it. He'll put purpose on it. There's no pain in your life that his purpose can't redeem. But some of us are not in a painful Friday 
we're kind of in between that place of pain and promise. We're in a place of Saturday, and Saturday represents confusion. It's already happened, already got the call, bad news, brokenness, place where I've experienced pain has already happened. Now I'm in a place like, what was that about? And uh, I'm just confused. And for the followers of Jesus, Saturday was a confusing day. Here's their Messiah, here's their leader, here's their teacher, here's their Lord. And like they've seen him teach and they've seen him heal people. They've seen him resurrect people, seen him walk on water, seen him just make food come out of nowhere. And it's like all of a sudden he's dead and in a tomb. And not a single one of you read your Bible. I promise you read your Bible. Go look at it. Not a single one of the disciples, not a single one of his followers was just chilling outside of Joseph's tomb. And he was just not none of them were just like, hey, Sunday's coming. You know what I mean? Like, let's tailgate. You know what I mean? Like, none of them were excited. None of them were expecting. He's spoken about it several times in the gospel accounts. Hey, this is what's going to happen. I will lay my life down. I will pick it up again. I will tear down, tear down the temple. I'm going to rebuild it. Like, he keeps telling them. And then he just gets more explicit the closer he gets to the cross. I'm going to die. Then I'm going to come back to life. And none of them expected it. Saturday is like, he's dead. He's gone. Peter looks at him as like, what was that about? Like, I'm going fishing. This is crazy. What, what are we doing right now? And so Saturday is a confusing place. And some of you are stuck in a season of waiting because you've experienced pain. And you know there's supposed to be a promise, but you can't figure out how God's going to use it. What is that for? What, what do I have to go through that? And you begin to ask questions like, why? Because when we're in a place of waiting and we're in a place of confusion, we're like, Why? Why me? Why did I have to go through that? Why did they have to leave? Why did I get that phone call? Why did I lose them? Why, did we, why are we in this place right now? And you begin to ask these questions. And, and we begin to doubt. What happens over the course of time? You begin to ask questions you can't answer in your own strength. And the disciples, again, they're not expecting Jesus to raise himself from the dead. In fact, after Jesus was raised from the dead and appeared to the they're still struggling. Women come, again, uh, the women are there on the day that Jesus is resurrected and he's like, hey, go tell the others. And they go tell the others and they're like, whatever. Right. And they don't believe they don't believe him. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. Thomas is not in the room. It's unfortunate, but Thomas is not in the room. Right. And so Jesus reveals himself as risen Jesus to everybody. <laughs> and they're like, Thomas, bro, you picked a bad time. To like roll up out of here. Like Jesus just came back. Thomas is like, man, you are messing with me. You think they're messing with him. He's like, that's ridiculous. I, I don't believe that. Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, unless I touch, unless I touch the holes in his hands and in his side, like I'm, I'm not going to believe. And some of us have been in church so long. We've been doing religious things so long. We don't believe anymore. We don't even, we don't even have like a real faith anymore. We just kind of do religious things. You slid into a place of doubt because of confusion. You're stuck between pain and promise. And you're stuck in the middle of, of doubting. And it's not helping you with anything. You feel stuck. One of the, one of the disciples, in, in the place of confusion, one of the disciples, the Gospels tells us, Judas hangs himself because he's just, he can't, he can't handle the reality of what he's done. Peter, who denies Jesus publicly, again, he can't handle it either to the point that he's like, I quit. I'm done. Clearly, I'm done. I have disqualified myself. I've said publicly three times, I don't even know him. <laughs> like, it wasn't even like anybody was trying to hurt me in that moment. I had a girl ask me if I was following Jesus. I couldn't answer the question. And so he says, I'm done. And so we're in the place of confusion. Some of you are there. And when I'm in the Saturday of confusion, when I'm in, when I'm in the, the in-between, we feel alone. We feel isolated. We feel hopeless. People can be all around you in a room like this, and you feel like the only one who's in that room. You feel unseen. You feel lonely, 
Because you're confused. Why did I have to go through this? Nobody else in the world can relate to what I'm going through. And I'm telling you, Jesus can relate to what you're going through. This is the reason why he comes. This is the reason why he experiences every bit of physical pain and emotional pain and relational pain. The book of Hebrews tells us that he does so for our benefit. And so the way to get out of our pain is to see purpose in it. The way to get out of our confusion in Scripture is to just draw closer to God. You're confused about why you're going through what you're going through. Some things you're never going to get like a complete answer on this side of eternity. But what you can get is peace. And what you can get is closure. And what you can get is trust. And it comes on the other side. of The Bible tells us, he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He said, ask, I'm going to answer you. Seek me and you're going to find me. Knock and the door is going to be open. But you got to draw near. You got to draw near. One of the ways that we do that is through worship. God just wired us this way. You were made to worship. You do worship, by the way. And, and, and we worship all kinds of things. But he made, you were made for worship and you're made to worship him. I love this psalm. There's a psalm in Psalm 73 where Asaph, who's the worship leader of David, is complaining to God in song form. It's so great. About how unrighteous people or people who aren't pursuing godliness, people who don't desire a real relationship with God, it seems like they're prospering. And then he's like, I don't get it. I'm like trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be who it is that you created me to be. I'm trying to follow you. And it feels like godly people get hurt. Godly people suffer. I don't understand. And then here's what he says. Here was the anecdote for him in Psalm 73, 16 through 17. When I tried to understand all this, I troubled deeply. It troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. And it's not that he had all the answers. It's just that he had peace. It's just that he had shifted his perspective off to whatever hard thing that he was going through onto the God who helps him navigate all the hard things that he goes through, the Fridays and the Saturdays of life, until I worshiped. And as soon as, as soon as I got close, I didn't know everything, but I felt secure and I felt trust. I, I, Brooke and I have experienced this. The closest thing that I can think of in our own life, in our own journey, is a couple years ago, not last summer, summer before, uh, where we had lost our daughter, and we had found out we were pregnant, and then about 10 weeks later, they told her, hey, she has an extra chromosome. We were thinking downs. We were thinking something like that, and so we, we were ready to navigate all that, and they said, no, you don't understand. It's a condition. Trisomy 18. It's not compatible with life, and we're like, well, what's the percentages? What's the, they're like, like 100. Like, it's not compatible with life. Like, she won't live. And there's a few cases, there's a handful of cases where kids, you know, live beyond the first day, some of them even years, depending on the nature of the case. But in general, it's just not compatible with life. And so they said, you want to terminate the pregnancy? We're like, no, we don't want to terminate the pregnancy. We're like, going to trust God through all this. And uh, they said, well, if you can make it to 24 weeks, then there's a procedure that we can do with the heart. Usually it's the heart is the issue. We can do possibly a heart procedure that would allow... Uh, the extension of life to, to, to make life longer and the quality of life and all these different things. And they're like, just, we'll see, you know, if we make it to 24 weeks. And so we spent that season, that Saturday of prayer between learning broken things and waiting and being confused and the why and all that. But what happened in that season, the only thing that really helped us in that season was we made a worship playlist. We called it Zoe Hope's Playlist, and it was just a, it was a playlist on hope, and it was a playlist on the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and the miracles of God. It was literally a whole playlist dedicated to the miracles of God. And we just played that thing 
when we were sad and we were good and we went to an appointment, we just played that thing all the way up until the day that she passed. The morning, we were supposed, it was 24 weeks to the day we had an appointment with a specialist in Charlotte, heart specialist. And on that day, we woke up. Actually, the power had gone out three times that morning at our house. Power, like, never goes out three times. And so it went out three times. And then Brooke, Brooke told me, she was like, hey, I could feel her moving this morning. And uh, so we both prayed. I prayed. We didn't know we were praying. She prayed for complete healing. I prayed for the first time with real conviction that God would heal my daughter and there would be a miraculous move and he would be something he could get credit for. Like up until that point, I'd pray, but it was the moment I was like, no, you could do anything. And I prayed with real conviction. We get to the doctor, we get to the specialist. We pray again as a couple. We go in, no heartbeat. We go into the specialist. The specialist tells us, hey, we can tell by reading the scan. We can actually look at her brain and we can tell you probably within the last couple hours, she passed away. And we looked at each other and we said, she was healed, not in the way that we wanted her to be healed, but when I prayed that God would heal her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, she was healed. And it was just like, God, again, with worship as the soundtrack, that's the thing that I don't need to understand all the details or, or, or I won't. I won't understand why. I won't understand why God did what he did in that way. But a real peace set in. Even to the, the following day, when we're in the delivery room, she's already passed and, and worship is the soundtrack for that hospital space. Everybody had to listen to it. We were cranking that thing. You know what I mean? You were worshiping with us if you were on that floor. And so we just worship was the soundtrack. And it's the thing that made us trust, that gave us the peace, that God was in control, even in the most broken season of our life. And I know many of you have similar stories. I know that because I've talked to you. And I know just right now off the top of my head, people who have lost a spouse recently and worship, worship was their weapon. Worship was the thing that when they were navigating the why, navigating the confusion attached to loss and pain, it's the thing that really gives us over to promise. So if you're in the Friday of life, there is no pain that purpose cannot redeem. But if you're in the Saturday of life, there's no confusion that his presence cannot claim. The idea is not to stay in your Friday of pain or your Saturday of confusion, but the idea is to get to Sunday. Sunday's about resurrection. Here's what Mark says. Mark 16, two through three, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, when they were on their way to the tomb, they asked each other, they looked at each other and they thought, we didn't think this through. They said, who gonna roll the stone away? Uh-oh. And then they get there and they're like, oh, that worked out. Sorry, stones already rolled away. They step into the tomb, angels there. And they're kind of looking at each other like, there's nobody where he was supposed to be. There's no Jesus. Angel looks at him and says, he ain't here. Is what he says. He says, verse six, he has risen. He's not here. And the day of resurrection in your life and in my life is when dead things come to life. The first day is about warring. It's about the pain that we go through. The second day is about waiting. It's about the confusion of life. And the third day is about winning. It's about victory in Christ. That's what he paid for. So that you can have victory regardless of what it is that life throws at you. You have victory in Christ, whatever it is. Even death itself. How amazing is our God? John 11, 25 through 26, Jesus says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And he asks us that question because it demands a response. And all of us are one of two thieves. We can mock his divinity. Or we can see who we are in relationship to who he is. 
and we can we can accept and own what we deserve while appealing to mercy Lord, would you remember us philippians 3 10 and 11 paul says this i want to know christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead i want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another i will experience the resurrection from the dead paul says hey i want to experience the hard things that life has I want to experience the brokenness. I want to experience the trials. I want to experience the death. Why? Because I want to experience the resurrection that he promises on the other side of that. You and I are in an already not yet kingdom. Already not yet. Jesus came. He lived. He died. He rose again. He's coming again. And what we do this side of eternity is in preparation for the moment where he comes to claim his bride. And I want to give us an opportunity on this Easter Sunday, not to celebrate Easter, but to experience Easter. Some of us are in the Fridays of life, and we've had painful news, painful moments. Some of us are in the Saturdays of life. We've already experienced the pain. Now we're just confused. How are you going to use this? All of us desperately need a Sunday moment where we realize everything that we go through, he can redeem. He can put purpose on it. He can calm. He can bring peace. He can bring trust. He can bring you to a place of faith that you navigate hard things and on the other side of that you experience resurrection. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for Resurrection Sunday. As we gather as your church, Lord, Big C Church, and we remind ourselves of a body that was broken, of blood that was shed, of a tab that was paid for us to remind us of an empty tomb and a power that's unstoppable, even for death itself. Thank you for Jesus' victory and in Jesus' victory we can have our own. God, your resurrection and your son gives way to our own resurrection. Thank you for the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave. It's available to us to come inside of us as we follow him, as we surrender our lives to him. You empower us and we come alive by your spirit. If you're here today and you want to know Christ and experience his power in your life, if you're tired of experiencing pain with no purpose, no promise, if you're tired of experiencing confusion and you need peace, if you want dead things to come alive in your life, Jesus died and rose again so that by the same power, that same spirit, we could live and breathe, have our being. We could step into eternity because of what he's done on our behalf. If you're here today and you're missing out on the purpose and you're missing peace and you're not entirely sure if you will receive the promise of an eternity with God in heaven and the abundant life that he's promised this side of eternity. If you're unsure of your salvation, if you're unsure of your moment of surrender, if you haven't had a moment like the thief on the cross had where you repent, you change your mind about who you are and you change your mind about who Jesus is. The Bible tells us the moment of our salvation is the moment where we believe in our hearts and then we confess with our mouths that he is Lord. It's as simple as that. You need to have a shift in perspective. The Holy Spirit, what will happen? The Holy Spirit will reveal the person of Christ to you. You realize who you are in relationship to who Jesus is. I need a savior. I need a Lord. I see you crucified. I see you risen again. And I believe that you are who you say you are. And God, I know who I am and in relationship to you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. I know I can't navigate life in my own strength. It's too hard. Would you come? Would you empower me by your spirit? Would you help me to come alive? If you're here in this room with all of our heads bowed and our eyes are closed and you've never had a moment of full surrender with Jesus, I'm not talking about going through religious activity. I'm talking about a moment that you know him, a moment where you realize that you need to surrender, not just part of your life, but every bit of your life to Jesus. 
and you want to come alive in Christ this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer. Again, believe in your heart and confess in this moment. It's an opportunity for you to confess. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I want to follow him. I want to come alive by his spirit. With all of our heads bowed in the room, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand in the room as a moment of confession. One, he could take your pain and put purpose on it. Two, the confusion and waiting can give you over to calmness. He can give you over to a peace. Three, you can come alive by Christ. Just lift your hand in the room if that's for you. I want to experience salvation. I want to experience surrender. Yeah, amen. Just lift your hands. I see hands going up all over. Amen. A moment between you and God. It's the moment. The moment doesn't save you. Jesus saved you 2,000 years ago, and the moment you realize that is the moment of your personal salvation. So if that's you in the room, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender. I'm tired of managing it in my own strength, God. I need you to navigate the Fridays and the Saturdays. I want to experience Sunday. Let's take my sin and my brokenness and my shame. Take the things that I hide. God, take all of me, my past, but also this moment, my present, and my future. Would you lord over my life? Thank you for what you've done on my behalf. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for paying for my sins, the body that was broken, the blood that was shed. But also, God, would you lead my life moving forward and empower me by your spirit to be faithful in following you? God, the same thing for your church. Every single person in this room, those of us who have a relationship with you, those of us who just stepped into this new relationship, would you give us a boldness and a conviction that would mark, mark our lives? A boldness and a conviction of kingdom come where we usher in your presence to whatever conversation, whatever room, whatever place that you send us, God. Help us to take the message and the hope of who you are to that place. Help us not to just do a thing on Easter, just be about it our whole lives, be about a resurrection life. God, we're so grateful for you as we gather as the Big C Church on this day and we celebrate a risen lamb. God, we celebrate a risen savior. We celebrate one who conquered death, hell, the grave, everything that life could throw at us. You have victory. You claim it. It's under your feet. And because of what you've done, God, we get your victory. And we're so grateful today. We celebrate you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.